Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, and a global pandemic really changed the way that we work in many ways, including the cleared recruiting and hiring environment. Recruiting was one of the many functions that companies realized could easily convert to a fully remote environment. And I even worked remotely as a recruiter, well, hybrid prior to COVID. So outsourcing aspects of the recruiting process and specifically sourcing isn't really anything new, but what does it mean when those functions are recruited outside of the country? So today we are going to discuss just that. And we have our friend Tommy Weiner joining the podcast to bring his thoughts on the topic since he has a number of years of experience in this industry, now managing his own staffing company, Mount Indy. Well, Tommy, thanks for joining the podcast again. I know that you've joined many a time. How have things been going and how do you think recruiting is going to go for the cleared space in 2024? I'm dying to hear. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me again. It's always awesome to chat. 2024 is going to be really interesting. I mean, a lot of the data that you guys put out, I, I always reference. And in talking to Evan and the different meetings we have, looking at 2024 being one of the hardest years in cleared recruiting. It seems like we say that every year, but it definitely uh, is getting harder and harder for many reasons and not related to this podcast topic, but I just think it's going to be really interesting with candidate responses this year. This is going to be where most companies struggle due to the fact that a lot of messaging has been taken over by AI and email, which used to be pretty, pretty good way to get a hold of people people's inboxes are going to be flooded with AI messages and it's going to be even harder for recruiters to connect via via email. So 2424 is going to be really interesting in our space. Definitely going to be a tricky year. Sure. I mean, with a passive candidate market like we've had over the last few years, kind of cutting through the noise has always been an issue. And I think that's why having a great brand online like you have, like your company has, is really, really important just to be able to sort of touch candidates, so to speak, prior to kind of giving them a hard sell. And so let's dive into this topic that I talked about in my intro. Why do you think some defense contractors outsource their cleared recruiting? And if, you know, it's a bandwidth issue, which is a valid reason, why not just hire another recruiter? So I've thought a lot about this and if it really is a bandwidth issue or if it's a cost savings issue. And the main reason why I think companies tend to go offshore is because those the companies that provide those services, are they're relatively inexpensive. And you can get, I guess, a, a dedicated recruiter for, for very little money. However, it's all in the results. And we understand how difficult it is in this space and how kind of guarded our community is. So it's difficult for those companies to be successful. But I think the main reason that you see that happening is it's probably partially a bandwidth issue, but also it's a cost savings effort as well, I would imagine. And and not to mention, this is one thing that I think is really interesting. Some of the companies that are offshoring, the, the, the providers, it doesn't look like their companies are offshoring. So you may think that you're getting a US-based recruiter where, well, actually the recruiter is is offshore. So I've seen that happen a few times, which is actually really interesting, but that's something that 
if you're considering outsourcing, you should make sure that the team is at least, you know, US based. Right. And I, you know, when I was recruiting, I, I was always getting hammered by like staffing companies on LinkedIn, reaching out, seeing if, you know, my contractors needed any support. And while I didn't really embark in those relationships when I was a contractor, that's definitely a question that I haven't heard a lot of recruiters pose when it comes to this topic. And so if you are a cleared company, it's critical to follow the requirements of the National Industrial Security Program operating manual. That being said, let's talk about kind of some of the quirks of the cleared space. Does any classified information really make it into the recruiting funnel when we're talking in the context of making sure that any outsourcing you're doing is US-based? I've heard different viewpoints on this. And it depends on how the FSOs I've spoken to, what they consider classified material. The only time I've directly seen classified information in the recruiting funnel is actually from a candidate. We've seen candidate resumes uh, that have classified information on them. And usually that gets caught by uh, a program team that understands what is and what's not classified. But that's the tricky part is, you know, from the naked eye, sometimes you can't tell on a resume what is classified. It's not going to be glaring. But that's the only real time I've seen classified information get into recruiting hands. And, and it's been present on candidate resumes. You know, I don't know about like the fully clear, the full scope space, if those recruiters are are dealing with any classified information. I would imagine Maybe some of the scopes of work they're working on have classified information in those scopes, but I have not seen this as being a real issue or something that you know the space should be concerned about. Yeah. One of the contractors I supported, they did clear their recruiters just so they could kind of dive in more to the nitty gritty of the statement of work, really just to equip them to you know, interview and screen and source, you know, the best resume and the quickest amount of time because they fully understand the program. That being said, I know a lot of contractors do not clear their recruiters. So yeah, I, I would agree with you that it's not really a huge issue. And so I'm going to talk about this anecdote because I know that you and I were in communications about this, someone had reached out about this topic and outsourcing cleared recruiting and, you know, making sure that it that it is US-based recruiters and how, you know, this this could be an issue with the FAR. So I, I know that you have ideas on this topic. Does the federal acquisition regulation have anything to do with recruiting or this topic? To that extent, you know, I would say no, but is it against the FAR to have outsourced recruiters? I don't see anything in there that again, I have I haven't read the whole thing and I'm not nearly an expert on it, but I, I don't think that is the way the FAR comes into play with recruiting. But do recruiters need to understand the FAR? Hell no. Yeah. No and yes. I mean I want to read that. <laughs> yeah. The the only so we actually train our team on the FAR to the extent of why it does matter in recruiting. And that usually has to do with competition. And so when explaining to a recruiter, hey, the reason why you can't accept somebody with four years of experience when the, you know, the scope requires eight, this all goes back to the FAR. It goes back to how the contract was bid. It goes back to competition and basically fair running of contracts. So to that extent, we think it's it's definitely useful for recruiters to understand the FAR to the extent of how it 
affects the decision-making process when hiring people. So to that extent, it does come into play. But as far as like, does the FAR say you can't offshore recruiting? Yeah, that that was a that was a funny pitch that I saw that company make. So I'm not not really sure what they were going for there. Yeah, who knows? But uh, so I referenced, you know, staffing companies reaching out. I'm sure that you know y'all are a staffing company. Uh, you you probably get reached out to about you know, hey, can can we support? Do you have any requirements that we can support? And then I know that. We're all no stranger to being reached out to on LinkedIn with recruiters saying, you know, I have a candidate that can meet your corp to corp requirements, or if your company will sponsor an H-1B visa for a candidate. I mean, it doesn't matter for the cleared space, but neither here nor there. What have you seen online about foreign companies trying to provide these third-party recruiting services? Because I don't know. I mean, um, along this topic, I just feel like it's so common sense, but maybe not. Maybe I just need to be schooled on that perspective. So I think from a, you know, from a common sense perspective, probably companies when they do it are thinking again, they're, you know, they're, they're not seeing any classified information that we, we, you know, all they're doing is recruiting and, and then our recruiters are taking over from there. So, you know, no harm, no foul. I think that's like the way a lot of companies think about it. And the cost is so low that they say, you know, what's the harm? As far as like my answer to that is basically our candidate pool is so on guard and I get reached out to, like you said, all the time by companies asking me exactly for that corp to corp, or they say, Hey, we've got these top secret um, candidates. And for me, that's always a red flag because we all know no one's sitting on a bench of people. So that just basically doesn't exist. But from a branding standpoint is where I think the major concern comes in. And I don't think our candidate population wants to answer overseas phone calls and start talking about their experience, what they do at work. I mean, literally, when you go through training at companies, they say, do not talk to those people. Do not talk to overseas calls. Look out for phishing scams. And I'm not saying that those outsourced companies are phishing scams, but the candidate pool's guard is up so much that I don't see it being successful, you know, having overseas people calling into the U.S. and trying to recruit folks and, you know, God forbid, asking for social security numbers to check clearances. It just does. It seems like it wouldn't be successful, but it, in the greater scheme of things, it seems like a branding issue. And there's a lot more about that, that that I could say, but it's just not what our population would be open to just because of how they've been trained to avoid those types of interactions from their own security teams. Right. Well, yeah, for cleared candidates, it's worth due diligence in ensuring an individual who reaches out and claims to be sourcing for a contract is legit. And, you know, that's why we always encourage folks, you need to verify through a third-party platform like Clearance Jobs. And recruiters and sourcers in the cleared space, you know, understand that candidates are skeptical when they have a security clearance. And so... uh, Talking about recruiters, because we know recruiters are on LinkedIn, you know, clearance jobs is numero uno in my book, but how would you recommend recruiters should act, you know, on open source platforms like LinkedIn if some of these foreign companies reach out? So there was a time where I would literally respond to the companies and just ask them, like, you know, if I could tell they knew what they were talking about. And that went nowhere. I mean, it just took up so much time, right? But I would ask them like, oh, you know, can you tell me their clearance status or something like that? And of course they couldn't answer and they're just trying to get you on the phone and do the bait and switch. But honestly, I, 
I don't respond to those companies anymore. I've, you know, I used to block them in my email address or I used to ask for, you know, to be removed from their platforms, but it's such a waste of time because there's so many of those companies that are reaching out. I strictly do not engage uh, because it's, it doesn't get me anywhere. So I wouldn't engage. I'm not saying that's, that's how other people should act, but um, I definitely don't engage. And a lot of times, especially if you're a small business and these companies are reaching out and they do say, Hey, I've got this cleared person that's, you know, ready to go on your program. It could be enticing to respond and engage, but I, I promise you that those discussions will not lead to cleared candidates on your program. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's okay to ignore. And yeah, like you said, with small businesses or some of the folks trying to break through in this industry, it it can be enticing. And uh, particularly for, you know, maybe greener recruiters who are just not as savvy in this industry or have not had the time to, to get to know like the players and what is okay and what is not okay. So it's, I think, just like you referenced with phishing, it's just better to be safe than sorry and, you know, just not respond. And if you need to ask it higher up, then by all means. And so talking more about foreign influence, which obviously is really important from a job seeker, or security clearance applicant pr perspective with the adjudicative guidelines and while, you know, not actually illegal, engaging with foreign recruiting firms requires adherence to U.S. laws and regulations. But any other insight that you would have on foreign influence matters when, you know, talking about recruiting, hiring within the federal space? Yeah, I mean, I had an FSO once that told me, I don't know if this is true or not, but this always stuck with me, that potentially even sending a scope of work overseas could be an ITAR issue. Again, I this was a very conservative FSO. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what truth there is to that, but it is that. Like, What information do you want to potentially get in the hands of somebody that shouldn't have it? And in recruiting, although it may not be classified information that we get, we do get sensitive competitive information, rates in regards to proposals we're bidding on, things of that matter that could really open your company up to some competition issues. So there, you know, although not confidential or, or, or classified, there's definitely sensitive information that if in the wrong hands could be used to bid against you in a contract, uh, something like that. So that would be enough for me as a defense contract owner to say, I'm not going to give this information to a company that operates outside of the borders of the United States. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's just always best to kind of be wary about what you're saying. I, I mean, everyone operates online and again, things like LinkedIn allows absolutely anyone from any place to to create a profile and start reaching out to people and reaching out to connections. So making sure your privacy settings as a security clearance holder is up to snuff, making sure that you're not sending socials over LinkedIn messages, things of that nature. And so I, I have my answer, but final thoughts from you. Should cleared recruiting be outsourced? And why should it or shouldn't it? This is really tricky. If we're talking about offshore, and again, there's been comp there's companies that have been very successful in doing this. I don't know if they have the results, but there, there are companies that offshore cleared recruiting. Now, besides the privacy risks, besides the potential, you know, opening your company up to risk, 
the thing that really sticks with me, which is like so hypocritical, is we're sending jobs in the national security industrial base that could should be performed by potential veterans transitioning out of the military or personnel that still want to you know, support the mission, but maybe they don't have a technical skill set and they can get into recruiting. We're sending jobs that should be performed by U.S. citizens overseas. And that for me is like the main thing where I, I don't understand why companies do it. Um, I know it's more exp expensive to employ somebody in the United States, but considering the space that we're in, considering the population that we work with, it just makes no sense to send these jobs overseas. So I, I'll plug us a little bit here because this is something I'm I'm really excited about. So we just got approved by SkillBridge and we're bringing in our first SkillBridge interns who we are going to train to recruit and source and be talent acquisition professionals in the Department of Defense space. Excellent. And it, it, I'm so excited about it. And like, this is why I'm passionate about this topic because- the people that we're bringing in, they're not technical people. You know, they've got different career paths in the military, but we recognize that they want to stay close to the mission and they need a soft landing transitioning out and coming into, you know, our sector. And we can provide that. And that's something I encourage other companies to look at. I've talked to many companies about this, about SkillBridge, and every single one says, I've never even thought of doing re SkillBridge recruiters. I'm like, it makes perfect sense. So, I'm passionate about the fact that we're taking, and recruiting can be a very lucrative field. So you're taking these jobs away from people that, you know, really need them. And it's an awesome service that you can provide to this population to train them this skill. And I've always said this, recruiting is the best way to get into the, to like, especially overhead positions in government contracting, because you learn business development, you learn the proposal process, you learn operations, you learn how to manage people, you learn how to hire people. So it's the perfect way to get into program management, business development, HR, and the opportunity to bring people in through recruiting is something that I'm really, really passionate about. And seeing those jobs go overseas, I'm just, it just makes my blood boil a little bit, to be honest. Right. Well, and hey, by becoming a SkillBridge partner and, you know, giving those transitioning out the opportunity to, you know, recruit with your company, once they're done with that transition, if they have a security clearance, they have it in, you, you're building a pipeline list in, in that sense. I mean, whether they want to continue with recruiting or if they want to utilize their security clearance from whatever they did in the service, I mean, that that's smart. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, it's it's brand new. We're just kicking it off, and yeah, we're we're hoping to partner with companies to really show them how this can be done and provide them essentially with these recruiters after the SkillBridge program. So it's it's something we're very excited about. Awesome. Well, Tommy, thanks so much for joining for this episode of Cleared Cast to talk about a very, if not the most important, in my opinion, topic in our industry, which is recruiting. So for more recruiting, career advice, and everything else national security, you can always visit news.clarencejobs.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Cleared Cast. Hit the subscribe button and share this episode with your friends and colleagues. 
For more security clearance updates and national security career advice, subscribe to news.clearancejobs.com, your primary source for security clearance and defense news, intelligence stories, and career advice for cleared jobs. If you have an active clearance, refresh your profile and search cleared careers at clearancejobs.com.